Hello and welcome to That's So Craven. We are now streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Twitch. Make sure you follow us on all social media and subscribe to be notified when a live recording starts. Please, please, please share That's So Craven with your Fulham friends to keep our community growing. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and come on you whites. Freed from desire, mind and senses purified. Freed from desire, mind and senses purified. Freed from desire, mind and senses purified. Freed from desire. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. We're here today to preview the Nottingham Forest game, Fulham back in action in the Premier League. Thank you for joining us today, Sammy. Back on the podcast after missing out yesterday. How are we going? I'm back. I'm back. I always like listening to the podcast. It feels it feels like I'm listening to something professional, so it's nice to be an outsider. And I've had some Harry Bow, so I'm hyped up. And looking fresh and salmon as well. Oof. And uh, Elton, how are we going today? I'm fine. Thank you very much. Good to be here. So we are here to discuss Fulham playing Nottingham Forest. Um, back in league action, it feels like we've been focused a lot on the Cup recently and a couple of Chelsea games sort of t- take you away from normal league action. Um, your mind is sort of elsewhere when you're playing Chelsea all the time. At least it feels that way. So it's nice to get back into the Premier League with a what should actually end up being quite a tough fixture, I would have thought, because we're going to be taking on a team who's in pretty good form at the moment. Um Sammy, obviously last time we played Forest, we beat them 3-2. Um, how are you feeling going into this fixture now that we're quite a lot way further down the track than we were when we played them last time? I'm feeling significantly better and significantly more confident because I feel that we are a significantly more established team than Nottingham like Forest because um, we have bought nowhere near as many players as they have and we have a genuine starting 11 as opposed to their mishmash of players upwards like the the entire the entire amount that like they've spent can't really be good for team cohesion in my opinion so yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to this i'm really looking forward to actually being able to give them a decent scrap and just remind them that you can spend 200 million as we did once but it doesn't work out well, there were a lot of comparisons at the start of the season as well about, you know, Nottingham Forest doing a Fulham, as they said, yeah. spending bucket loads of money and does it actually work? Because it obviously didn't work with us so far. Uh, well, sorry, obviously didn't work with us last time we came up in the Premier League and spent that $100 million on Seri and Zambo and all those players. Dad, do you think Forest have actually done pretty well considering how much money they spent and considering they've bought in, I think it's 32 new players since the start of the season? nuts. Well, how can you say they've done well if you look at their present position in the Premier League? It's, you know, they're under threat. Uh, Obviously, they've been very, very active in the January uh, window as well. But I I think it's unfair to say, Sam, that spending lots of money doesn't work because the top floor clubs prove that it does work. It just isn't a quick and instant fix. It takes... A lot of time, and it's by no means a guaranteed short-term way of solving your problems. I think, um, you know, I, I think they have to be considered dangerous. They have, they've bought quality players. Well, they've thrown a lot of money at it. So in, in amongst it all, there's definitely some quality players in there. But Fulham have proven this season, and I think many teams have proven before that it takes more than individuals. Uh, a quality unit generally wins out and prevails. And so that's what we have to rely on, that our cohesive unit will uh, prevail. But that doesn't mean um, – and the concern I still have with that, great cohesive unit, good-looking football. The problem for me remains that we don't score enough goals. Um and you're always vulnerable to a moment of brilliance from, you know, uh, a very, very good player who can suddenly change the game in a moment. And if you haven't capitalised on um, perhaps the run of play, you're in trouble. And in a low-scoring game like football, that's a problem. 
if I can retort um, retort your points, though, Dad, um, I do think to quote Game of Thrones and Robert Baratheon specifically, five armies in disarray versus one united army. He does a fist. You can't really tell that I'm doing it because the thing's lagging. But one united army against five disarrayed um, individuals or disarrayed armies. I like. I. I. I don't necessarily see them as much of a threat as. Uh, you might just purely because there is there doesn't seem to be a team cohesion there. You can buy thirty two players, but if there's not a clear cut system or if there's not a clear cut identity and movement around them, it's 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 not it's not it doesn't work as well as what we have going on. And I will sing the praises all day on this podcast about it. Well, you can. You can if you like, but it is all about execution and balls in the back of the net. It's all that counts. And if you can be playing really beautiful football and overachieving for your player quality, if you like, um, but if they put more goals past you, you've got a problem. Hmm, Well, I'll jump in there. One thing that we – well, firstly, I think we're being a little harsh on – Fulham's goal-scoring exploits this season. We have 32 yeah, goals in 22 games, which is more than 10 or maybe 11 other Premier League teams so far this season. So we're definitely mm. sitting at a, a fair rate of scoring. Uh, we we have been pretty poor defensively, but I think a lot of the poor defensive work came at the start of the season, and we've definitely improved massively. What okay. I will say about Nottingham Forest is they've only scored 17 goals this season. The yeah. only team who've scored less are Wolves with 15 and Everton with 16. They they mm. literally cannot score goals. 21 games, 17 goals scored. They've got a much bigger problem than we do. They've considered yeah. 35 goals, which isn't terrible, but their um, their goal differences here at minus 18 is the third worst in the league behind only Bournemouth and Southampton. And you have to remember Bournemouth did get flogged 9-0 at one point this year. So... Yeah. Really, they've got one of the worst defences in the league, and that's what's actually going to cause them issues come the end of the season. That coupled with the fact that they're just not scoring goals. Um, mm. So that's uh, that's where they're going to struggle. All, all points taken, Jack, but you, you have to say that in the last five to seven outings, we haven't scored a lot of goals. Forget our three goals against Sunderland midweek. But sure, we but I'd also scored... retort that and say that we've been playing against the the best teams in the league and some yeah. of the best defences in the league as yep. well. So yeah. I, I think, and we, we will look at it very shortly as well, the recent form of these two teams. Um, I think if you look at the recent form, both teams have played against some very tough sides as well. And so it doesn't actually tell the full story based on just the last five or six fixtures. I think you guys are being overly defensive and overly, overly sensitive. Here. And don't, don't come back. Oh, it's not, it's don't not come, sensitive. Don't come Shut, though. Sam. Shh, 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 shh. <laughs> hush, Whoa. hush, hush, hush. I'm Whoa. saying if you, if you actually juxtapose, as you love to do, Mitro's recent record, and not that he's the only one scoring goals, but he is having a bit of a quiet spell, and I think... If you look at the number of first half goals, okay, I'm going to qualify further now. The number of first half goals we're scoring is not enough. Yeah, I, no, I'd, I'd agree. Yeah, I'd say Mitrovic is, isn't necessarily at his strongest, but across, like, we do actually have like people who can actually score goals across the park relatively consistently. And if like I can, I wouldn't be able to genuinely tell you who Nottingham Forest's top goal scorer is slash who their most threatening attacking player is. And I feel like that does actually say quite a lot. Yeah, I, I'd say, I mean, at a guess without checking it, I'd say it's probably Gibbs White this year so far, who's a decent striker. It actually looks like uh, Brennan Johnson's got five goals from 21 appearances. Uh, Taiwo one year as well has four goals from 16 appearances. It, not prolific at all. I mean, when you look at Pereira... And Willie and I think both have about that many goals too for us. Um, what I will say is Mitra has had periods like this before in his career, uh, especially at Fulham. I wouldn't be overly surprised if we see him bounce back against a team like Forrest, um, where he goes through these little, little lulls where he comes up against good sides who purely try and mark him out of the game. Uh, but I'm also not hugely worried when 
someone like Mitro gets marked out of the game, it does open up other opportunities for the players around him mm. to cause some havoc and get a little bit more space because he pulls two defenders in straight to him. All of a sudden, Pereira's got a pocket there that he can sit in, and we know what Pereira can do when he's got a bit of space to actually work in. So, mm. uh, I mean, you can try and pull the positives from Mitro's sort of poor run of form recently um, and cross your fingers that he, he bounces back. I, I think you guys are getting the wrong end of this. I'm not being overly negative. I'm not being overly critical. I'm not being overly anxious about Mitro. I'm just saying don't score enough goals early. You're vulnerable to uh, some individual skill causing you a problem. I love yeah, when Elton gets that's, sassy. That's just common sense, though, isn't it? Oh, sorry. Well, no, if you don't score goals, you don't win games of football. It's simple as that. And it's it's an issue that we've seen. Okay, good night. <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, actually, though. Sorry, wait. Uh, yeah, um, uh, to quote, I believe, uh, Jose Mourinho, um, goals can win games, defense can win Premier Leagues. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, I think at the end of the day, though, you've got to put both together. If you don't score enough goals, you're not going to win games. Oh, totally. And if you concede too many goals, and, and we saw it in the championship, we saw Fulham winning games 5-4 and 5-3. And yes, we could outscore teams, but we're not going to be able to do that anymore. So you do need mm. to score goals because realistically, we're not going to be able to keep teams out like we, we did in the championship anymore. So it's um, an interesting conversation. It's almost one that you need to have separately because it's such a big conversation to have um, about, you know, how important Mitrovic is to Fulham and how much uh, a dry spell from him actually affects us in the long, long run as well. Um, anyway, moving on, let's have a quick look at the last five fixtures for both sides. Fulham, as we know, had a good 3-2 win over Sunderland in the FA Cup, um, had our draw with Chelsea, um, the Sunderland draw... Tottenham loss and Newcastle loss, only going down by one goal in all those games. Um, Forest have had a fairly good run in the league, uh, a win over Leeds and Leicester, and a one-all draw with Bournemouth, and then the two losses there to Man United and the Carabao Cup semi-finals. Um, like I did say, I don't know if these last five games really tell the tale of the tape for either of these sides, but I think it's still interesting to look at it and. Um, to look at the fact that Forest have been conceding goals. They conceded three or well, five against United across two legs um, and even conceding to Bournemouth as well, who are not a very good attacking side. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's I'm, I'm expecting this one to be a pretty close game, though. I think there's going to be goals in it because both teams are likely to go out and attack from the off because I think Forest will have to if they want to get anything out of this game. They're gonna, yeah, They know they're going to have to score goals. Um, yeah. We'll take a quick look now at the league table. Um, Dad, we, we sort of talked about a little bit recently um, over the last couple of podcasts. Um, how are you seeing Fulham, now that teams are sort of catching up with in terms of games in hand, how are you seeing Fulham's actual position at the moment um, compared to the teams around us? So I've only included in the table that I've got up on the live stream here um, from sixth place, which is Brighton on 34 points. Fulham in eighth on 32 points. And we've got Chelsea on 30, Liverpool on 29 below us, and Aston Villa as well in 11th on 28. Do you feel like the table is starting to even itself out a little bit more? Because it 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 almost didn't tell the whole story for quite a long period there after, I think it was after the Queen died, and we had a lot of postponed fixtures and things just seemed to go nuts around the World Cup time as well. Yeah, so firstly, I uh, just want to acknowledge uh, uh, William. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we we were in um, uh, a slightly heated debate and, uh, <laughs> and uh, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't step out and uh, say hi. But thanks very much. We appreciate it. Um, Will's our fourth member at the moment, and I love it. Yeah, really, really. He's like part of the boy band. Ugh. Look, um, what what's interesting is that Fulham, after the rescheduled uh, after the queen's death and the rescheduling we we seem to play more of our games quicker mm. and i think when we played uh, after we played chelsea the second time if i'm not mistaken we were two games ahead of most of the pack so it was a bit of an unrealistic position great to enjoy being in sixth but it wasn't a true reflection of where we we actually were 
Um, so I think it's very fair that Brighton are up there in sixth position. I, uh, you know, I've got, got no problem with that. I think uh, that they've had a pretty good season so far and done consistently well. Brentford are obviously overperforming at the moment. Can I say that? Yeah. Well, um, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure how fair that is, but yeah, go on. Well, <laughs> can I go there with the Tony thing or not? Sure. Why not? Uh, uh, yeah, what? I mean, it's it's just going to make us enemies, but I don't I don't mind that much. Are any Brentford enemies? I mean, yeah, I was about to say. If it's no, I'm, I'm just saying. I, I know. I know. Uh, innocent until proven guilty, but. Isn't there, isn't there uh, something about stepping aside if there's any question? And at the moment, yeah, he's it, still. Uh, it's a really uh, interesting one, and I don't want to get too deep into it because I, I don't know the the complete details of all the charges laid and everything like that. But when you've got, a, I think it was a couple of hundred betting charges laid against you, two hundred fifty. Um, we, we've seen in the past when this happens, players. But, well, clubs basically saying, yeah, this guy's going to step aside and not play until everything's finalised. Um, but Brentford have, I, I guess, looking at Ivan Tony and going, you know, he's too important for us to not play him. And he's scoring excellent. goals for them. Ethically, ethically so. excellent. I, I mean, I'm going to yeah, put my chin out there and say ethically excellent. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know. It's tough if... If the same thing happened to Mitro, would be we we be having the same conversation and saying I can't believe he's playing week in week out? Probably um, not, really. Well, we we'd be equally concerned about the contribution Mitro makes and how important he is, and we'd be really unhappy that he uh, may not be involved or can't be involved. But I'm not going to argue till I'm black in the face that he definitely should be involved on some bogus moral high ground. Yeah, yeah I, can, I can. I can. I couldn't either. Yeah, so I'm. I'm just saying. Um, if you look at the contribution he makes, uh, what, how significant is that relative to Bre- Brentford's um, position of seventh? I'd argue it's quite significant. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Um, how many goals it, has he scored? How many goals it, has he scored? It's more than quite significant. I'd say it is. It is the reason they're in such a good position. He's played 19 games, scored 13 goals. He's having a great season so right. far. Mm. There, you um, go. there you go. So, I mean, you, if, if they drop him, uh, I don't really know what other options they have. Uh, looking at their well, other strikers. Given the transfer windows, transfer windows gone. And they didn't pick up another striker either. So they're obviously expecting to play him for the rest of the season because they don't really have a backup. Um, yeah. They've got a bloke who's a Turkish guy who's come off the bench once all season, and that's it. They've got Kevin Sharder who's coming on loan as well. But really, uh, they're getting goals from midfield. Um, Johan Wisser, Brian and Buemo, he, he's integral to their side. Um, mm. so, yeah, I mean, if he wasn't playing, they would be a lot further down the league, I'm going to say. Yep. So, you know what? I'm going to put it out there. If that was my club, I'd be uncomfortable about benefiting from that. Yeah, yep, I think we'd Brentford. all be uncomfortable. I don't know if we would complain about it too much, but I'd, I'd definitely feel uncomfortable about it. No, I'd feel better if he wasn't there. Yeah. Ethically, yes. Um, in terms of how I feel on a Saturday or Sunday at 2am after sitting through 90 minutes of a game, I'd uh, be wishing Mitro was on the field. Ethics, ethics, Jack, and what happens <laughs> when no one's looking and how you feel when no one's looking. It's oh, a rough <laughs> 90 minutes, though. Um, oh, this this Sam, this is a whole other podcast of conversation. Yeah, I was going to say, Dad's coming to fight today. I'm, I'm he really worried. has. You're sassy. Um, the Scorpio energy is <laughs> fluttering out. Yeah, uh, Sammy Forest yeah. so far sitting thirteenth. They're about five five point six points out of the drop zone. Yeah. Um, we sort of briefly touched on it, but how do you feel their season in general is going so far? And do you think they're good enough to avoid the drop? Uh, that's actually a really good question. I, um, yeah, I won't be as hostile as Scary Spice over here about it, but, um, I, I don't, I don't fully think that they are 100% safe from the relegation zone. I, I do think that they are just making 
decisions, particularly around the transfer market and like just in the whole way that they seem to be um like they seem to be a very reactive side right now. Like I think I think Navas is an excellent example of that because yeah, defense is poor. Let's get Navas. Like it's it's a very it's a very knee-jerk reaction way of doing things. And Fulham's been very, very guilty of that. Um a couple of years ago as well. It's I, I, I do sing the praises of like Tony Khan because I do think that Fulham's actually a really good comparison point between us and Notting Nottingham Forest. Like if you think a couple of years ago, Fulham was very reactive because like we love him, but I don't think that Tony had a great grasp of how to um control and um manage a Premier League team. And I think he's actually come on leaps and bounds and really kind of matured into a, a really, really good owner. Um, but like, yeah, I just don't feel that whoever's up the top at Nottingham Forest, I don't feel like they're handling their struggles with as much maturity. And I think as the months go on, um, the Premier League is very, very vicious and you could, you could genuinely see them tumble and, in the same way that, like, uh, was it was it uh, uh, Marco Silva's hull, or was it? Um, yeah, they had. Yeah, no, not Everton because uh, I, I I can't remember who it was, but uh, they narrowly avoided relegation or actually got relegated. Relegated. It might have even been Watford, where they had a really strong start to um, the season, and then they just toppled down, and they they actually gave Marco Silva a really bad name for uh, quite a long time. Um, so yeah, I I don't I don't think that they're in the clear. I think if I think if you're thinking that way, or if Nottingham Forest fans were thinking that way, which I don't think that they are, yeah, I think I think they're trepidatious at best. But yeah, thirteenth isn't convincing enough for me, especially when you see Leicester's only what three four points behind them, and yeah, Wolves as well. It's it mm. seems too tight. I think our position is significantly more established. Like between us, Brentford and Brighton, we've been floating around with those teams like the whole season. Whereas like, I feel that Nottingham Forest have been way more up and down. There does seem to be a, a slightly more defined split in the top half and the bottom half now. Um, I'd put it sort of underneath Aston Villa there in 11th on 28 points. And then you drop down. It's admittedly only four points to Crystal Palace and Nottingham Forest on 24. But, though you know, you expect that Chelsea and Liverpool will win their games in hand and jump up to those sort of Chelsea on 33, Liverpool on uh, 32 points. Uh, and you'll see a, a bit more of a divide, which we're kind of more used to in the Premier League, where mm. the teams sort of from, I'd say, 5th through to 10th are all within touching distance of each other. And then there's a gap and the teams that are sort of 12th through to almost the relegation zone are also within touching distance. And usually there's there's almost clumps of – there's four four clumps and the league gets split into quarters with a top six, your little European chasing pack, your comfortable mid-table, and then your five teams in the relegation fight. This year it does seem like there's, you know, three teams on top in Arsenal, City and Newcastle and then a pretty decent gap to the chasing pack of Europe – down to sort of mid-table, and then it's basically from mid-table downwards, you're in a relegation fight because at the moment Palace in 12th are only six points away from the relegation zone. Which, yeah, and I, you know, I don't think that's us. With three, three games to go, uh, you're, you're in a lot of trouble there. So Fulham do need to pick up some points though in the next few weeks just to make sure we keep with that group because, like you said, Sammy, it's, it doesn't take long for a team to tumble down the league. Jeez, this is bleak today, isn't it? Um, no, I think it's a good conversation, though. And I do just want to touch on one thing. I think our best case scenario, we're probably looking at like seventh or sixth. But I genuinely think our worst case scenario, we're looking at about ninth. Like, I think uh, of, of all the teams that we've kind of like discussed so far, we've actually been really, really consistent. I mean, mm. if you, even if you compare us to teams like Man City, which have like a really serious ambition, you could argue they're actually not making their targets. And this is um, like aside from all the other controversies that are going on there, by, by their metrics, they have by definition underperformed because they should be winning the league every single year. Whereas mm. like, I think that um, us, Brentford and Brighton, you could argue are probably 
the most consistent, if not the like strongest performers outside of Arsenal in the league right now. Maybe Manchester United, but yeah. I mean, definitely in terms of the teams not expected to be, at, well, not the top six teams. Yeah, mm. Brighton, Brentford, Fulham, you have to say, have been the best of the pack. If you look at the the number of wins from those teams, Brighton with 10 wins, Fulham with nine, Brentford with eight, and the losses, Fulham's are a little bit bit more with eight losses, but Brentford only losing four games so far this season after 21 games. You have to take your hat off to them, and same with Brighton as well, the fact mm. that they consistently are getting results and putting points on the board, and that's why these three teams are sitting so so high up the league. What, what I would yeah. like to do is just pull up a screen here for those on the live stream. Now, this table here, hopefully not too blurry for everyone, but this table is the form guide for only 2023 games. So for Fulham, that includes the Newcastle Spurs, Chelsea games, and the Leicester game. Uh, so you see us sitting in 10th. Nottingham Forest, who we take on, are sitting first in the league for 2023 fixtures. Um, Dad, do you think we should be a little bit more wary of Forest, despite the, the fact that they're a little bit further down the league? Do you think their current form means that we're possibly in for a tougher test than we might be expecting? I thought I said that about 20 minutes ago. He genuinely did. He genuinely did. He had to turn up the microphone <laughs> as well to read. Really, really I'm just asking the question now. I've got this, this um, lovely graphic on the screen. Yeah, look, um, uh, that that it, there it is in 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 data. I suppose. I mean, they've had a a good a good 2023 so far. Not that we're that far in, but look again, cliche upon cliche here. I'm I'm sweating so badly. It's like. 29 degrees, I've had a power outage, and that's why I'm grumpy. Um, uh, but, yeah. Uh, look, I I just think that as you, you're, you're right to say, Sam, that above all, um, the defining characteristic of our season is consistency. Mm. And across... You know the the good, the bad, and the the not so good in the league. We've been pretty consistent. We're a little bit ropey in the beginning when we were not winning games against lower oppositions that we should have. But um, I suppose what I'm trying to say, without being doom and gloom, because I'm just not that sort of person. Um, I think we are still that team that just can never be overly confident. And I think Silver, he always makes the point that he has great respect for every single opposition, you know, no matter where they are, because we're just not a powerhouse. We happen to be playing mm. really well and we're a really good team, but we're vulnerable. And, mm. you know, it, it shows that when we go down early in a game, even against the run of play, it, it sort of throws throws us off because we're – we don't have the firepower to quickly turn it round and score two more and suddenly be ascendant again. So, you know, we're doing really well, but we we can't afford too many accidents and for a team to just jump us for a minute and get ahead, even if they're not likely to score another goal for the rest of the game because it was one moment of brilliance from a team 10 points below us. Mm. Um I always get nervous until we are honestly two goals clear. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I think that's fair. And, uh, you know, it's a good point you make as well. I don't think we do have some really good players in the team, but we don't have someone who can just produce that moment of magic on, on yeah, like a Yeah, like a Harlan. You know, I mean, I know he's had a bit of a quiet, quiet period as well, but... He is the kind of player against anyone. Two goals down, and he'll come on and score three. Well, I think about before the Tottenham game, we talked about it a lot, and we were saying, you know, um, all Tottenham need is Harry Kane to get half a chance, yeah. and uh, it's we'll exactly what happened. And it's exactly mm. what happened. And we, uh, like I said, Mitro is a great striker, and he's in he's been in good form this season as well. But I don't think he's the man who can come on and just make magic happen as soon as he comes on. He's, he yeah. comes on and he's disruptive, but he's not going to immediately change a game for you, which is what you need when you go 1-0 down. 
Um, and well, the problem know, the with Metro, Jack. And... Sorry, Go the on. problem with Metro is that in a team where he's getting consistent, perfect, great service all the time, he's deadly. He can yeah, he can finish, yeah. but he can't yeah. go and grab the ball deep, run fifty meters, and put it no, in the back of the net. He's not a Messi or Ronaldo, and um, no. If yeah. if he comes deep, he can definitely contribute and be part of the build up. But he's got to lay it off. He's not going to do it all himself, and yeah. he he can finish with the very the best. Players, of them. You look at the players we bring off the bench in Harry Wilson, Dan James, Decadover Reed. Tom Kearney, these are these are good solid Premier League players, but they're they're not game changers. Um, yeah. They're not going to add that spark that you need when you're one nil down to win a game. And we've seen it a few times where, you know, you look at the Newcastle and Spurs games when we're one nil down and we're trying to win the game, and we just don't have someone who can come off the bench and produce that moment of magic. Yeah. Um, so to continue with the doom and well, gloom side of things, yeah, uh, it's it, it is <laughs> no no I don't don't mean that at all. I don't honestly. I don't don't wish to be that at all. Um, but I think it's a. This is interesting because what we are potentially uncovering here, um, and maybe we knew it all along, but we're articulating it, is that that is what we need. I, mean, I, I don't want to be um, even ungrateful or unappreciative of how great this team has been steadily built over the last you know six nine months. Um, because we're performing so so well, but if you if you could wave a magic wand, at the top of your wish list would be that player that is a game changer, whether he be off the bench or not, or a starter, but an absolute magical game game changer. And I think we are at the position now in our development and our renaissance. We do have the money. We could spend the money. Uh, even if it cost us 50 or 60 million to have a brilliant guy that we were patient with who was that kind of firecracker. Sam has a counterpoint when you finish okay. yours. Yeah. Oh, have you finished your point? Or Yeah, I'm having a drink. Okay, 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 okay. Hydrate and like just I, I, I've, got, I've got food for thought because I, I kind of disagree with you saying for one pure reason and I, if, I think it's actually a strength of ours that we play as a complete unit and we have players like uh, somebody like Anthony Robinson is a good example because he's not the end product but what he does is he has the athleticism to support Willian and uh, whereas um, uh, Mitrovic can't play the entire game without uh, a team basically providing for him uh, he is still incredibly strong, provided all the stars align. And I feel that Fulham is very much a team where everybody is cohesively working for the team. In If we had, in my opinion, if we had one player that could essentially uh, do it all and you could rely on them to be the sole difference maker in a game, like a Jude Bellium, Bellium for example... I think that there is absolutely no way that we would be able to keep that player for more than one season if they were to enter our starting lineup right now because there is no way that that player would not be highlighted, lauded, and then be immediately sold off to a top six club. So if anything, I'd actually rather... We're we're saying that about... We've got Polina at the moment who could be that player as well. We won't know until the summer if we have the ability to keep players like that. And I think there's a high possibility that we will because we can pay high wages. We're pushing European spots. And so we can, we can sell the dream. Mm. Uh, You get to live in London, which is one of the best places that international players want to actually live. Um, I, I, you know, I I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in the That's a really, that's a great problem to have, you know, to, to, to be performing so well um, and to be providing a platform and, a mechanism for a star player to be doing really well. Um, you know, you, you, you're, you're banking really well. You're banking on the fact that he really enjoys the club and enjoys being there, and he's paid really competitive wages. Um, mm. That's okay because I tell you what, if we bought someone for thirty million, like a really great player for thirty million, and he comes in and he does a Polinia, and someone wants him for eighty million, that's okay. Yeah, you know, or buy up. another one. Mm-hmm. Buy another I was, 
I was listening to a really interesting bit of um, analysis actually that Tifa was doing, and they were, were talking about um, specific to like the Premier League how younger players and up and coming players will typically prefer um, uh, like London based clubs as opposed to Northern clubs literally sure. just because like lifestyle is more attractive to them. And then older players would actually typically prefer more Northern clubs that aren't essentially as like bustling and as boisterous as London, because they're just in a bit of a different phase of life. And I just thought that that was very interesting. And then that also opens us up to uh, like the better that we do players like Sasa Lucic and um, Williams, a bit of a different example, but you can't tell me that we didn't get Polina just purely on the basis of that he's in the stage of life where he would actually appreciate that. I know he's a family man, but he's a young family man, and that's a that's a that's a different type of person. Yeah, I think I I think we're all in solid agreement that mm. London is a very attractive place, and as I've been saying all along, you know, Fulham's becoming a pretty attractive destination. You know, mm. we've we've got a lot lot to offer at the moment, so. Back to my point, you know, why wouldn't you? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be fearful that by buying a great player and giving them a platform, we might lose them. It stands to reason that if if you're prepared to to put yourself out in the middle of the road like that, you're probably going to make a, a a very very nice turn on mm. on the trade. Happy days. And it's definitely a business we've seen ourselves in recently as well. Doing good transfer business. And I'd say a lot of the transfer business we've done setting up deals in particular ways has been with an eye to this in the future where mm. we're making sure we're making good deals to make profits on the players in the future. Um, uh, we, we haven't seen much of it because we've been such a yo-yo club the last few years. But I think when players like Robinson start getting picked up and picked off by big clubs, um, you'll see the benefit of buying him for three million and selling him for thirty plus, and see how that affects the players that we're able to buy at that point. Because we'll have money to buy the next Polina and buy the next Pereira, and you know fill those gaps sure. really well because we're being smart about the way we purchase players and the way we set up our payment structures as well. Tony's um, come such a long way. I can't I can't say it enough how much I feel that Tony has progressed in terms of like his ability to sign players and actually have a long-term structure with Fulham. Sorry. I uh, I'm not sure about that either, but, uh, you know. I think I, he's I, improved. I'm not having too many arguments today. Sorry. Let's, let's, I, let's keep moving, guys. Let's keep moving because we yeah. need to talk about the Nottingham Forest game. Let's fight. Um, <laughs> let's yeah. have a look at a potential lineup for the Forest game. So um, I've I've put one together here, but it's, it's one that we've seen fairly often, and it's one with just the one change and the one real discussion point. Um, so I've gone with Leno and goal, a back four of Robinson, Ream, Diop and Tete. As as great as Shane Duffy played, I don't think he's getting a start and pushing Ream or Diop out of the starting 11. Um, Polina and Reed partnering each other in the central defensive midfield positions. I've gone with Willian on the left, Polina in the centre and Mitra up front. The one possible change I've put in there is starting Solomon, um, either on the right or left. I guess him and Willian can be quite flexible and... Um, switch around between each other. Uh, Dad, I'll throw to you first. Do you think this is finally going to be the time that we see Solomon after he had a pretty good 80, 90 minutes against Sunderland? Um, I, I feel like that's possibly our collective will and preference yeah. that we'd love to see Solomon there. I'm not convinced that Silva um, believes that yet. Um, mm. But... but Maybe maybe he's had a very, very clear and calculated plan all along um, that he would use the opportunity of the Cup and he's actually had, you know, an additional fixture. Obviously, we didn't want the replay, but it does provide another off-Broadway opportunity for um, Solomon to get some more time and prove his worth. And uh, to, to the point that we made yesterday, I think, I think it was yesterday, that... I, I do feel that Solomon actually hasn't had the best team around him when he's been yeah. on the pitch. And I think he's done enough to prove that if you give him Willian, you give him, you know, a, a fully functioning midfield, 
um, that he could be even more dangerous. And also combining with Mitra and Pereira. Um, I, I, th I think he could be more dangerous. So I think it's a yes from me that I think I think it's we're ready to start Solomon. He's he he surely has done enough. Um, just a comment about Harrison Reed. I know that he got a knock, and I'm not sure the status of that. Um, he got a knock at the end of the Sunderland game. Yeah, and... Tom Kearney copped one as well. But I heard that yep. I saw Kearney tweet saying his injury is not that bad, and I saw Silva yep. say. We thought yep. it was bad, but it turns out it's not too bad. I haven't Correct. heard anything on Harrison Reed, though. I, I that's, yeah, agree. That's, that's right. a slight worry. Yeah, mm. that's that's right. Um, so obviously, there's, you know, there's well, Kenny's potentially injured, and even if he was okay, he's obviously a little bit wounded. Um, does that mean we will see Sasalukic on the bench and maybe brought into play? Uh, I'm not sure if he starts. It doesn't seem to be uh, Silver style to throw mm. people in. Um, you know, he, he, I I find it difficult to believe that he's going to start. He may well feature, but un unlikely to start in my view. Mm. But yeah, uh, you know, uh, un unlikely that there are going to be any other big surprises there. I think surely William comes in. Um, BDR on the bench. Um, and yeah. Does, is Wilson on the bench? I don't know. I would have um, thought so. With with seven allowed on the bench, I think. Oh, is it nine allowed on the no, bench? No, it's actually? nine. I think, it's nine. Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure the majority of the squad is on the bench. Um, mm. I, I think if – I'd say if Reed doesn't start, I think Lukic is, is the – well, actually, it could be Tom Kearney in his position there. Kearney had such a good game against Sunderland. I wouldn't be overly surprised – if Kenny got a start. Um, it's yeah, the only issue there, Jay, is, is his injury, whether you press him and... Uh, whether you rest him, yeah. Um, yeah. It, I, I guess it depends on the style of play that um, that Silver wants to go for. If he wants to stay a little more defensive, then you probably play Lukic. If you want to potentially be a bit more creative and expansive, you play Kenny and let Polina just dominate that little area by himself. Um, mm. So it'd be interesting to see... Um, how, how the lineup actually unfolds and what we see, especially with those little potential niggles in there, if we do see some changes in there. Sammy, uh, any thoughts from you on the lineup? Uh, I I kind of wanted to go back to because I, I I listened to your uh, last pod as a as a as a spectator, and as I actually you thought you guys yep. yeah I know, and <laughs> I actually thought you guys actually had some very astute, very um, good uh, opinions on Solomon, um, particularly. Uh, Silver's faith in him and him being able to see something that we haven't necessarily like because we we've been very complimentary of him but we've never we haven't really seen him play that many 90 minutes and um uh, I thought because uh, I'll be honest I didn't watch the Sunderland game I didn't have time to um but like yeah from from all accounts he has flair he's got Kavorka but his end product's a little bit lacking. And so as a result, BDR has been more consistent. With all that being said, I do think that um, Chelsea wasn't the game for Solomon to have his Premier League debut in. I do feel that this game is. Uh, I feel that if there's going to be an opportunity for him to actually play his absolute best and for us to get the best out of him, this, this is that game. It's uh, against, yes, a competitive... Uh, Nottingham Forest, but one that I feel is very, very much within Solomon's capabilities to actually show himself off, as well as a solid team around him to elevate him. And actually, we can see what he can properly do. So, yeah, it'd be really, it'd be. I'm very. I, I look. I look forward. I, I look forward to seeing what Solomon does in this game, probably more so than anything else. This is assuming that he's even starting, though. <laughs> like, we don't actually. So we're, we're, we're convinced. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, I think so, that. I think, yeah. I will say, though, I think that was a really good point you made for the Chelsea game that that wasn't the right game for Solomon to start in, and mm. I agree with you. I think this, if you're going to start Solomon and you know put a bit of faith in him to to give him a ninety minutes, I think this would be the game to do it because. Um, you're playing against a team who, admittedly, they're in fairly decent form at the moment, um, but they're below us in the league. We should be expected to 
score goals against and we don't need the extra defensive ability that BDR gives us, for example. Um, but it, it may have the, the injuries in the middle to potentially Reed and Kearney may impact that decision. If we do yeah. bring in someone else, I wouldn't be overly surprised to see Solomon rested um, so that BDR can give him a, a little bit more cover in the middle. Mm. Thanks for highlighting that. Whoever did, Reese Kemp, uh, just left a comment on our YouTube. Love the content, guys. Just discovered the podcast and really enjoying more FFC content. Thank you, Reese. I saw your comment yesterday on the on the Sunderland review that we did as well. Really glad that you found the podcast and thank you for getting involved as well. Um, hopefully uh, you can get involved in a few more pods in the future as well and uh, we'll get you uh, sharing this content a little bit more so we get to more Fulham fans as well. And also, um, I think you're handsome. <laughs> Guys, I'll, I'll push you for a prediction for this game. Uh, Sammy, you first. Fulham, Nottingham Forest, what's the score going to be? 3-1. I assume 3-1 Fulham? Yeah, yeah, sorry. I thought I thought that part was clear. <laughs> sorry, my bad. 3-1. Goal, goal scorer? Ooh, I've, okay. Sam needs some credit because last week I said that Kenny Tete would score and I feel that he basically did. He he was match for match, best Kenny Tete performance ever. I predicted Harrison Reed would score when he scored. So who is going to score? I think, do you know what? I reckon Issa Diop, um, Mitrovic, and I'm going to say William, you know, yeah. Good. Dad prediction? Yeah, that's uh, boring. I, I've, what do you mean boring? I'm going to say, well, because I, I'm going to say 3-1 as well, and I'm going Solomon, Mitrovic, William to score. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm I'm going with a 2-0. With a I'm thinking Solomon and Mitro to score. I think this is going to be Solomon's game, and I think we're going to see Mitro hit some form as well. I'm mm. expecting a – I reckon Solomon's going to cut in from his feet on the <laughs> you left. You can actually tell us how he's going to score. That's well, I've, yeah. I've seen him push for it a few times since he's played. I genuinely he loves... thought you were about to say, I, I've seen it in my brain. <laughs> I've been awake enough that all the dreams start becoming reality. Um, uh, it, no, we've seen him do it a lot. He, he loves being on the left and cutting inside. And you can see he's always shaping for a shot on that right foot into that far corner. And I think he mm. he's going to have a bit more opportunity to do so against Forrest. And I reckon we'll see him score his first goal for Fulham. And I think that's going to be the turning point for him, which will probably turn him into a starter if he does score for Fulham, especially if he scores a decent goal like that. And I think we're going to see a return to form for Mitro because he's had a, a pretty rough outing the last few weeks. So I, I'm expecting him to come back into form. Sammy? One one thing I, uh, one thing I do want to add as well, because, um, again, like on like the last part, you had um, a, a good bit of analysis on Harry Wilson's goal, and I thought it was pinpoint right where it's like great that harry wilson scored we want him to get his confidence back it was a meek uh goal at best and it was quite positive that he got that um but uh if you compare harry wilson to solomon and i know that we shouldn't the confidence on solomon whenever he essentially has an attempt at goal or really just does anything. It's leaps and bounds ahead of like, because he, he plays with so much confidence. When like, it's, you could argue it's almost unearned. And I love that about him. And <laughs> I, I predict if he's going to score a goal, I'm seeing him scoring a rocket. Like, because he's given me no reason to kind of like think that like he isn't capable of doing that or he won't attempt that. Yeah. I think, I think we'll see. Uh, a few flashes, and we were sort of talking about it before where we were saying Fulham miss a player who's got that spark. I'm hoping that Solomon is that player because when he does have the ball at his feet, I saw Peter Rutzler make a comment um, during the Sunderland game saying Solomon's one of those players who when he's running with the ball, the ball just looks like it's stuck to his foot. And they're special players and they are guys who give you a spark. And mm. if he can get that final product right, I think he's going to be a really important player for us in the second half of the season. Yeah, like having a new signing. Mm. Um, I'll just pop up a comment here from Reese, who's joined us on the YouTube. Um, Do you guys play EPL fantasy football? I sadly got hooked when I lived in London. Reese, I, I do personally, although I'm terrible at it. 
not just uh, terrible at actually selecting a side and getting points in the first place, but terrible at making sure I select a team every week and often have six or seven injured players in my starting lineup. So um, hopefully next year I will actually make sure uh, I put a bit more of an effort in. Maybe we can have a That's So Craven Fantasy Football League, which I know um, Fulhamish have one as well, which I'm part of actually. Um, and it's it's a lot more enjoyable when you're doing it with a lot of people who keep you honest and you want to beat every week in fantasy football. Sam and Dad, we'll have to get you involved next time around. Oh, uh, see, I get confused whenever I play fantasy, and it stresses me out. And then, like, <laughs> I, Reese, I'll be honest with you, I don't even like using Twitter. I get annoyed. I get stressed out. And I've literally said to the guys on numerous occasions, I'll do the TikTok, but anytime they try to get me to do any form of like Twitter, I just go, I'm not doing it because I get, get angry. Around, well, I get, I get, you, I get, I get overwhelmed by the whole thing. I you I just, don't need I to do it like anymore, it. Sammy. Anyway, because we do have Elton's top tweets every week now. So, oh, great segue. Uh, a perfect. I'm, I'm the, I'm the new aggregator. I'm the aggregators aggregator. The white noise aggregator here. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mention Williams' comment as well. I hate fantasy league. I play using my heart and it never ends well. I find I have the same issue consistently putting way too many Fulham players in the team going, no, Pereira is one of the best players in the league and he just never picks you up points. Um, Reese. Reese, I, I play career mode on FIFA at like a very a, a depressingly um, intense level. And uh, um, yeah, I do the same thing as William. I literally just like sign players that have haircuts I like and then try to build them up. And they're all like 62 rated and it's 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 tough. But this this is these are the crosses that you have to bear. Speaking of uh, you picking players just for haircuts and randomness, Sam, let's shoot on to Sam's split second snap. No, I mean, Sammy, have what we have not, you got for us today? Are we not doing Dad's Twitter? No, no, we did that yesterday. So I didn't give Dad one day to pick up a thousand new tweets, but we'll definitely return to that after oh, the okay. Forest game when I'm sure we'll have a lot of good insight from Twitter. Okay, all right. Okay, you guys are going to love this one because this is the most Sam and arguably the most stupid one I've done yet. Okay, oh, God. so okay, so get ready. To grumpy like Dad for it as well, Sam. Good grumpy job. Dad's going to love this one. Dad's dad. This is this is yeah. Dad's going to like this. Okay, so anybody who knows Sam knows that I hate the number twelve with a violent passion, and so you can imagine my disappointment. When I saw that Cedric chose the number 12 in combination with my personal belief that the number 28 has risen in prestige since I learned that Cristiano Ronaldo actually wanted it before he was talked out of it by Sir Alex Ferguson because he thought the number seven was more suitable for him, got me thinking, who in the Fulham side is rocking their numbers, and who could use a number changed based on your own personal biases? Because sometimes the player doesn't suit the number, and then sometimes the player becomes iconic with the number. This is just totally based on my own biases and my own weird thing with numbers. My family knows it very, very well, and now the comment section does as well. So with that in mind, <laughs> let's get into it. Cabano, number seven. Willian, number 20. Who is rocking that number better, in your opinion? I never thought I cared, and now I'm sure I don't. <laughs> and that's why you got to play the game. That's why you got to play the game. Because, okay, you say you don't care every time, and that you guys always have opinions on this. Well, it's, it's an interesting question. I actually would have quite happily rated almost every player and how well they rock their number. Because um, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I, I think... Willian is 20. I'm a big fan of players who can pull off a number not inside the top 11. Mm. And I think Willian pulling off 20 is is working well for him this season. Although I do love Niskins, but he's not what you expect from a number seven like a Ronaldo, like a Cantona, uh, a Beckham. You know, yeah. the, that number seven has someone big and burly who's just this, you know, larger than life player and then you've got knee skins is all of five foot two um, it is it is funny because i do feel that knee skins was um the right number seven in the championship but then when and this this happens all the time when like teams go from uh, a championship team to a premier league team or you have teams like chelsea who had like 
an established thing, an established team. And then as a result, they have progressed. And then so you buy in like um, Mudrick and then you have to give him like number 15 because you're just out of your regular numbers. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I do feel that William is significantly doing better with that number. Dad, what's your opinions? Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, can't get up for this. Oh, you're so grumpy. <laughs> you're so grumpy. It's actually ridiculous. Okay, Jack, keep playing with me. Um, Kenny Hot Ten. And bothered. Oh, honestly, it's like oh, it's like playing with a four-year-old. Okay, it's um, Kenny Ten, thirteen Ream. Uh, Tim Ream for me. Uh, it, yeah. That number's becoming iconic. I mean, you've picked two very iconic Fulham players. Um, yeah. who will both go down in history as iconic Fulham players. But Tim Ream rocking the number 13 is is something special. I like that. Yeah, so I will get involved here, Sam. Only oh, because there you go. <laughs> only because I used to wear the number 13 just because, not that I cared, but it just said no one would want it. And I, I just did it out of spite that I thought, I'm just going to prove that it doesn't matter. Uh, and, um, yeah, I, I, I wore it all along. And so, yeah, I'm, I, I think it's a, a statement of great confidence to pick a number that everyone's kind of scared of. And even if they're not, they claim they're not at all superstitious, they're really hard about it, they still wouldn't win. So I, uh, I, I, like, what, um, I like what he's doing with, uh, with the 13. I love how you took the bait. Okay. Uh, Kenny Tete <laughs> 2 or Bobby Decadova Reed 14? This one's quite an interesting one for me. Um, Say that again. 14, Just repeat I, that. So um, uh, uh, Bobby Decadova Reed 14 or Kenny Tete number 2? Because I feel that number 14, right, is um, the mark of a brilliant utility player that can be used in a lot of different roles. Like, I think of I think of players like Cruyff and I think of um, players like Jordan Henderson, reliable people that um, you just want in your team because they add so much to the team dynamic. Um, but then again, Kenny Tete playing number two, he perfectly fits the right back number two role. So this one I found interesting as well. I I I like Tete the two. He's a he's a proper two. Mm. Weird thing to say, but he he really is. He's he's what you expect from someone who's got the number two on their back. Is a bloke who plays right back and plays right back really well. That's exactly what it exactly what it says on the tin. Yeah, I, I like that. I'm a fan. Dad, I like Kenny Tete, and I like his number two and his back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, and uh, I, I'll because Dad is getting so bothered by this. I'll only give you one more. Uh, I, I literally, I basically did the whole squad because I got so excited about doing this because I really feel strongly about it. Um, uh, Twenty six Pelina or nine Mitrovic because I feel that Pelina for me owns the number twenty six now. Arguably, Riyad Mahrez owned the number 26 before. I feel that 26... Oh, and John Terry. But I feel that 26 is playing his number now. And I feel he's edged out Mitrovic. For me, that is my personal opinion. Um, yeah, I, like you say, it's it's kind of cool when a player makes a random number their own. And it is cool that Polini has made that his own number. But Mitro is such a number nine he that is. it's hard to... Um, it's hard to go against that if you know what I mean. Mm. Like he's no, he, he's your number nine, and he plays like a number nine, and he acts like a number nine. So it's it just it works, and so that's that's what I'm a big fan of. I think Mitro is nine, even though Polina is such a good player and is it's great seeing the number twenty six running around the field. It's still got to be Mitro for me. No, and I think that's totally valid, Dad. Um. I get the number nine thing, but it's a bit cliche. And look, he is a number nine, and he's he rocks the whole number nine vibe and all that. But um, I do like the fact that Polini has picked up an unpopular, unfamous number, and it kind of just 
randomly made it his own because he he's the statement, not the number. Mm. Yeah. Only and I'll put you, yeah, yeah. Well, I was just about to say, I'll put you out of your misery and like we can end the segment. But if you want to keep talking about it, I want to hear any and all thoughts. About I was it. just going to say, uh, one thing I do like, and you see it with players who come to the club and pick a number because it's free and then end up changing it to something they prefer. I like the fact that Tim Ream and Tom Kearney joined the club seven, seven, eight years ago mm. and they've always been 13 and 10. Um, yeah, I really like the fact that the players stick with their numbers and they mean a lot. I know Niskins wasn't always number seven. He's changed to seven. Um, and I, I'd also a bit of a shout out for Burnt Leno as a keeper wearing 17 as well. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, me too. I like it. Um, and that was that was the segment. Again, I could keep on doing this, but like. There's there's time restraints and all that. If anything, I'm just happy that you guys just fully took the bait. That gives me a big smile. I was I was up for that. I, I could, that's that's better, Sam. That's a better you, game. I like. Do you want that. me to keep going? Do you want me to keep going? I can no, because Dad's going a slightly red over there. He looks like he's about to explode <laughs> or pass out. I'm not sure which one. Um, it is a warm day, to be fair, and I know that office gets quite warm. So I can imagine you're struggling in there. Um, I think we've done we've done pretty well considering uh, the fact that. For those on the live stream, I'm sure you can see I'm currently holding a baby and have been for the whole stream, and she's been wonderful so far, actually. She's done very well. Yeah, she's um, done really well. So we've, we've managed to pull through on the, the grumpy baby-holding podcast so far. Um, yeah. And Lola was look, all right as well. <laughs> we've pulled through an hour so far, and I think it's a, a really good preview of the Forest game on the weekend that I'm personally looking forward to. It's going to be nice to watch a game at a normal hour for once. Uh, 11 o'clock kickoff for us over here in WA, 2 a.m. over on the East Coast, 3 p.m. kickoff GMT. Um, looking forward to hopefully a Fulham win. And uh, I'm not 100% sure when we're going to podcast next after this. I'm actually away for a little bit, so it's going to be on Sam and Elton to get together on the on the Sunday, hopefully. Um, but we'll make sure that we are back soon to talk through uh, hopefully a Fulham victory. Uh, as we've said before, we really appreciate everyone who's been following us and um, sharing our content. It's been great to see some support on Twitter recently from um, all the people we basically mentioned yesterday, Jack and Loz, White Noise, Russ at Cottage Talk, Fulham Focus, um, and a few other people as well. So we really do appreciate that. And we really hope that if you enjoy our content, you like us, you share us, you subscribe so that you don't miss a podcast and that you get onto these live podcasts as well, um, because we're really enjoying putting out content at the moment, despite grumpy days like today. Um, so anyway, look, Dad, thank you for joining us. I'll let you go and dunk your head under a cold tap or something. Yeah, look, no thanks. I, it was Actually, I think um, despite the fact that I'm in desperate need of a shower and some ventilation, um, I, it was actually a really good chat. Um, can I just say before we end up also that apart from all the, the sort of more conventional channels, we we are, or Sam is actually doing some off-the-chain stuff on TikTok. So mm. I'd actually encourage you all, if you're half interested in a little bit of uh, focused, um, but quite funny, <laughs> entertainment, um, and very on-point entertainment, stretch. very, very Fulham-related entertainment, um, have, a, have a search for Craven Pod. Uh, is it the Craven Pod or Craven no, Pod? No, just Cra Craven Pod. Craven yeah. Pod on TikTok, and the, the we 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 had to think pretty carefully about what we actually would share because some of the stuff got a little little bit spicy and it's, rated, it's wild, it's wild, it's wild but in a good way. Yeah, so if you're interested, have a look because yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure how focused it actually is, but it's a it's 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 my little space to um, Sam's let creative work. outlet. Yeah, I do have to sit in the car to do it. So I have to sit in my driveway to just be loud because, like, I, uh, God bless my partner, she can only deal with so much. <laughs> yeah. um, so, Sammy, um, thank you for joining us and thank you for your wonderful TikTok content as well. Um, we hope to see some more of it in the coming days and hopefully uh, a few digs at Nottingham Forest over the next 48 hours too. Ah, I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do. But for now, I want to shout out Reese Kemp and William Densky, uh, 
wonderful, wonderful co-podcastees today. I genuinely love and appreciate anybody who gets around this. I don't know why you listen to us, but I love that you do. And uh, no, as, as always, just thanks for having me. It's, it, it's, it's a pleasure and a privilege that I get to just waffle. Thank you, Sammy. And so, until next time, come on, you whites.